Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Watukian Hoffman. Andy, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Hoffman. All right, fantastic. And we have a special guest in the studio today, Michael Westendorf. Mike, how are you? Good. Mike is the editor, executive editor and CEO of the... <laughs> you can't even read it right, Hoffman. <laughs> Sorry, he's the executive editor. He's the executive editor and the CEO. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, the president of day-to-day operations. <laughs> oh, just write it down so it'll be easier. Yeah, let's start over. <laughs> no, we can keep it. We'll just keep Christ. going. That's fine. They know if you no. listen to our podcast, you know what kind of a train no, wreck it is. He's starting this over. <laughs> oh, look, I didn't see that on your riders. All right, so right. He's the executive editor and CEO of the Chemical City Paper. Mike, how are you today? Good. Awesome. Thank you for being here with us today. Of course. We were going to talk a little, a little Pistons draft night. Andy, who did we draft today? Who Or who did we draft on draft night? We got like three picks in the first round and then the second rounder. Yeah, they, right? made, they made a lot of moves. Um, they Well, they had the number seven pick and picked up Killian Hayes, who's a guard. He's French. Um, which <laughs> you're really like, why does that matter? He is well. well that does matter because Sekou Dumboya is exactly. also French, so it's like a French connection there, Mike. It's like a buddy, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they've known each other for years. They've been, yeah, they've been friends for for years, so that kind of works out. And then they also had the 16th, 19th pick that they believe they got through trades. Isaiah Stewart, six nine center, kind of a small center at sixteen, and Shadiq Bay. Yep, at, small forward. Yep, at 19, correct? Yep, and then the second round, uh, Sabin Lee, who's a 6'2 point guard out of uh, Vanderbilt. Who's number 38 overall, but I think 7 oh, yeah, or... Yeah, number yeah. 38 overall, yeah. but 7 or 8 in the in this second, second round. round. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of moves by, uh, by Troy Weaver. Um, almost. It's been nonstop ever since draft night, too. I mean, he's been picking up people. He picked up Mason Plumlee. Um, well, he's he did a lot of things where he traded away Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard. Um, what are your thoughts on him getting rid of Jordan, Luke Kennard? Jordan Bone, everybody. Uh, I was fine with him getting rid of Luke Kennard um, just because I, I was not super high on Kennard. I, I was okay with him getting rid of him. There was a lot of hardcore Pistons fans that really were in love with Luke Kennard, and that was that was their guy. For some reason, they really appreciated that him. That didn't bother me either, because Luke Kennard's like a guy who's going to sit out in the wing, and unless you got somebody driving the lane where the defense is just going to collapse on him and he can kick it out, you you could have Macho Man here sitting yeah. like a paperweight out on the wing. It doesn't matter. He's not doing anything. Um, so he's basically I don't want to say he's irrelevant, but you know, if you're not got if you're not getting him the ball where he's wide open, he's not he's not guys cutting to the rim for you. Exactly. To me, the hero in this draft is Troy Weaver. And for nothing else for blowing up the team and, and just dismantling the whole thing and trying to rebuild when there was nothing else there to begin with. The as far as I'm concerned, he's playing chess when everybody else is kind of playing checkers. So I'm I'm all about that. It's Queen's Gambit here. But you don't know? you think like some of the moves were a bit much? Like obviously he, he went out and he got those extra draft picks, which is a good young core. But then you go out and you sign like Mason Plumley to a twenty five 
$20 million contract. Like, why are you spending big money on him? Uh, maybe to trade him away at some point or or make him trade bait for something in the future. Uh, I I really like the thing, the moves that he made, um, especially as far as uh, like getting Jalen hands. I, I like I liked that. He's a G leaguer. Same thing with our second round pick with uh, Saban Lee. Probably a G leaguer, but these are guys that could possibly come up and surprise you in uh, you know maybe the first half of the season or something. I you know. I just think they they're good picks, honestly. Those are those are all good moves. Anything is better than what we had currently. Well, I mean, comparing it to like the Lions, like Bob Quinn, they they make who make very, no moves, who make very absolutely minimal no moves. at best, and yeah. they say they're going to rebuild, and they're just kind of always stuck in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to get out of that unless you do, unless you commit to the rebuild. And he's out of all the GMs. In Detroit, he's probably the only one with the balls to say, "All right, we're just going to absolutely blow it up, and we'll come back with whatever whatever I draft, and we're going to build from there, start from the bottom." Now, is Weaver the former GM for for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, he was with the Thunder, and he is credited for for drafting guys like Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook. Sorry. Um, just he's known to be able to seek out and find that talent. So, right. So that's where I kind of trust him here. Mm-hmm. As far as bringing it in these guys that that uh, may, or na- may or may not be trusted names in the NBA or in the draft so far. Mike, any thoughts? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is just kind of hanging on for the second half of our show. The second half of our show... Mike is kind of going to be talking about investments and um, the like the sports card market a little bit and who to who to invest in. It's I'm wondering def- if Andy is um, disagreeing. You're like disagreeing with Weaver's approach. It seems I'm not, but I wonder if it's like just to disagree, like for conversation's sake, or are you actually? I'm I'm split. So I, like I said I like his draft picks. But I think like he's still making moves a week after. Well, and there were things going on in the draft where he picked yeah. up Trevor Ariza, and you you sent me a message, and you were really excited about it. And then, like five minutes later, he traded him away. Yeah, well, so that, that doesn't bother me. But it's like if you're in a rebuild, why are you picking up a guy like a Mason Plumlee for a twenty million dollar contract, or like Jeremy Grant, you signed for a sixty million dollar contract? Why are you spending big money on guys that aren't big? But I think big it, contributors. I think it. I think that's what to get AJ rid was of saying when he said, you know, he's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. There might be other motives involved that we just don't know about. Maybe. I tell you what, if he gets those guys and he gets rid of a Blake Griffin and his atrocious contract, then I guess he, you know, you really he's playing just, chess. You really don't like Blake Griffin. <laughs> I, look, I just I thought he was a name they brought in to get butts in the seats. Well, and you may be right. I think that was something that, like, Tom Gore's... That was a Tom Gores idea that he brought in because Tom Gores is like an L.A. guy. And so we thought, oh, yeah, Blake Griffin, that's a name. Absolutely. Brought him in thinking, okay, that's it. Checkmate. Not at all. It's that was somebody he brought in. uh, Probably I I, and I agree with you. We've talked about this before. I don't think Tom Gores has a lot of 
uh, NBA IQ. NBA IQ or basketball IQ, but he he sees a superstar name and like Griffin is definitely a uh, an NBA name, and so he brought him in thinking that's going to make some sort of drastic change, and it really didn't. But he brought him in. Uh, Griffin's better than nothing. It's it brings in some sort of marketability ability to the Detroit Pistons but other than that it's not a it's not going to change the culture or or change the team at all I, I think it's he's if nothing else I think he's kind of a placeholder same thing with Derek Rose I think these guys are both names that are placeholders for for the Pistons until they bring in a better and until they bring in better uh better guys better players so yeah i i, I feel like this draft is the beginning of that for this sure. is but i but i feel like if we would have had weaver sooner we would have been more on that process instead of bringing in guys like blake griffin and Derek rose just don't don't have those contracts have blown it up sooner you'd be farther ahead now do you know what i mean so but that's we, why but we but have I mean, them now but yeah, we have them now you're right you're right and we got to make do with what we got so I, I can't I can't argue with you on that. I I don't know. I let's break it down like simpler. Has any of us have any of us been to a Detroit Pistons game in the last like five years? No. Anybody? I no? haven't. I've been to one in the last five years. And honestly, it was the most mundane experience for a professional team that I've I've ever been to. So I'm kind of excited about this one. I might actually if teams are open and arenas are open or, and things are, are open again by the time the NBA season starts up again, I might actually go to a Pistons game. This is kind of exciting. I like seeing uh, that Killian Hayes has been drafted and um, Sadiq Bey. I Just the fact that, you know, especially, you know, if, if Seku is going to be on the floor too, I think that that'd be really cool because... Seku is kind of my guy right now. I I enjoy watching. He's to me, and I said this before. He was the most exciting thing to happen in the Pistons season last season. Well, he he is the future, you know. And so, with these other younger guys around him, that's going to be your core moving forward. I believe that's going to be Weaver's core moving forward. And once you get those higher contracts off the books, I got to think then couple of years from now when those guys have more experience in the league then you can start using that salary cap space to bring in some big names and i think that's what we will ultimately end up doing agreed i uh, i think the pistons and troy weaver were the story of this year's nba draft because not only because he blew up the team but he made so many moves and so many trades to get three picks in the first round to get these guys they could have been the worst picks possible, but to get three picks in the first round, that shows that you're. You, I mean, that shows initiative. That shows that you were trying to to make some sort of moves, and you were trying to make changes to the culture of this team, which needed to happen. Right, and and you got a great coach in Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. and I think giving him a fresh start with Troy Re- with Troy Weaver. And, and the new players is is just absolutely wonderful. That that's absolutely what they need to change that culture in Detroit. Absolutely, they're all big guys too. Like Killian Hayes, 
six five. He's from France. Uh, he's already going to connect. He was our first, our very first pick for the draft. He's immediately going to connect with Seiku. He's a lefty. He needs a little, little work on his his right hand. But I think just being a lefty, you're already, you've already got a kind of a hand up with, you know, being in the NBA. That's a very small percentage of other people that are that are lefties and that can defend on lefties. Killian Hayes is a, is a great pick. Isaiah Stewart at six nine. He's a big. He's I and I think he could turn into a modern center by hitting threes and like outside of the arc. Um, Isaiah Stewart. He he's fantastic. Um, at six nine and out of Washington. Good pick. Uh, Bay, he's from Villanova. He's 6'8", small forward. And he's going to kind of take the place of Kennard. So I uh, I appreciate that for sure. And Saban Lee, he's probably going to be a G-leaguer, but he's from Van- Vanderbilt, and he's an extra guard that we can have kind of, uh, that we could possibly add to our roster. Yeah, he's a guy that they, they say is explosive. It's one of those guys that just cuts to the rim. And can create his own stuff. So I think he's kind of more of an insurance for Killian Hayes. Because like you said, he's he is left-hand dominant. Killian mm-hmm. Hayes is. Yep. And that was that's the only real kind of worry there is in his game. Is that he needs to develop the ability to go to the right as well. Because once they realize they can right. just shut right. down and force you right. And it takes you out of the game. That becomes a problem then at that point. And if he can't develop that, you know game to be able to go right or left that that could be an issue but but then like you said Saban Lee ends up becoming more of a uh, insurance policy on that exactly but just to to bring in four different guys out of the draft four young guys uh, in addition to Seiku from last year mm-hmm. I think you've got a you've got a new culture already yep and you got a nice nucleus to to build with moving forward. Exactly. Yeah, I just hope that they have they instill some confidence in Seiku. I know he wasn't super consistent last year, but um I liked him. I like I said, I thought he was the most exciting thing on the floor last year for the Pistons. So how long do you think they have in your mind, especially if you're happy about the moves, how long do they have before you're like, okay, maybe this isn't working? Man, I, I give him like three years at the most. That would be like really like max if if they don't like make a good playoff run within three years, then I'm wrong, you know. And I apologize, but like, what what do I have to pay for in yeah. three years? Uh, that's just kind of my prediction. I think we're moving in the right right direction, and that's better than any other Detroit or Michigan team is moving in the rest of the state. For college football, college basketball, pros, anything, I think we're the only ones making catastrophic changes and being able to to change and and make a culture, kind of put in that culture shock more so than anybody else. The Detroit Lions, you hardly see them make any kind of moves. The Tigers, same thing. Like if they make a trade, you're you're super surprised as a Tigers fan and excited. Oh my gosh, they got Ian Kinsler. You know, it's <laughs> it's so it's really sad and mundane. But um, Troy Weaver is really shaking things up 
with that team and and uh it's exciting to see even if they just fall flat on their face this year i'm i'm still excited to to watch it and see it that's a product, a different product than what we've seen on the floor for the last what five or ten years? Yeah, there's right? there's been no identity the last five or ten years. Like you said, they've just been like a blah team, stuck in mediocrity, going through the motions. And now you got these young guys that you can kind of be excited about, but also at the same time, the fact that Troy Reaver will literally shop anyone shows even the guys that are that are going to be remaining on the team that have been there a while. Hey, you got to bring your your A game every single night, otherwise you might be the next one out the door. Absolutely. There, there, he yeah. has no loyalty to anyone below him, which which is good. Absolutely. Totally agree. We'll be right back with more of the Small Market Podcast with your host, Watakian Hoffman. Andy here from the Small Market Podcast, encouraging you to support those who support us. Heather and Holly, handmade chocolates right here in downtown Midland. 228 East Main Street and Good Sense Coffee. Go to goodsensecoffee.com. Use the promo code SMALLMARKET at checkout for 10% off your order. Welcome back to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Wataki and Hoffman. We're here with our guest, Michael Westendorf, a friend of the show. How you doing, Mike? Good, good. Thank you. <laughs> good. Uh, like this kind of goes to your wheelhouse where we wanted to talk about well, what is this app sharing, this, this app is, thing that you were talking about? This, this app is, is called Collectible. Okay. And basically what it is is you you invest in sports memorabilia and, and cards, sports cards. So you're not actually buying the cards, you're buying like a share of the cards, kind of like the stock market. Right. So there's, okay, so for everybody out there who might not be kind of privy to the collectibles world or the sports card world, sports cards are like blowing up right now. So they're they're a little more volatile than stocks even right now because the there's kind of a, I hate to say it, but there's uh, there's a bubble going on with with sports cards Mm -hmm. so there's some really high-end cards last year we had a uh a player zion williamson and a pretty good rookie class in the nba so some of their sports cards their rookie cards are already thousands and thousands of there's there's some that are more worth more than my house yeah you looked up one that was like eighty four thousand dollars yeah we're talking about a like a zion williamson RPA, which is a, a rookie patch auto, and it's you know autographed, and it's a piece of his memorabilia inserted into the card, and it's signed on the card, and it's out of ninety nine. There's only ninety nine copies in the whole world worth about. There's somebody on eBay that has one for eighty five thousand dollars, but you can put one up on this app and sell shares of that card if you want, which is kind of kind of crazy uh i could buy a share of that zion williamson car rookie card for a hundred dollars or something like hypothetically that. like just you're just throwing out a right. number yeah and then say he has a, a spectacular season this year he he uh goes to the championship he goes to the finals and they win the card blows up even more and then becomes worth 
that, you know, that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, then that share, the share of that goes up. So, Mike, have you ever kind of? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but have you ever experienced something like that in the market? Like, is this is this a familiar trend? Do they do this with any other kind of things out there? They do, but not not quite like this. I'm thinking. I first of all that I'm thinking of all the questions that that raises in my head. So I'm wondering, like, okay, where's the card stored? Is it going to be insured? There, there's got to be a custodian. Because you're talking about a physical asset that people right. are buying shares in. You've got to protect the asset. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously the shares are just going to be, uh, you know, like basically like a, 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 certificate, a yeah. certificate saying that you own this particular part of this tangible asset. Um, and then, like, is it is it insured? What happens if it's destroyed? Who's... Who's regulating it? Um, is there an exchange? So if I have a share, can I exchange that out automatically for either for the value, i.e., money, or a part of the card? How, how, how is like that? To me, I'm wondering. I'm putting my shoes and I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody who might be investing in something like this, and I'm just wondering uh, all the all of these questions. It, you know, but to go back to your question, AJ, about you know, it kind of reminds me of. A combination of things like uh well you mentioned stocks that's kind of like the the, the popular go-to but i'm also thinking of like a timeshare like just oh, a regular, yeah. just a regular timeshare like a some some cabin in colorado um there's got to be someone that maintains that um because we're talking about a physical physical, physical yeah. asset here it's not like a derivative like a contract on a derivative is like uh a contract between two people, say like me and Andy, uh, we say, okay, uh, I think that uh, Dow stock is gonna gonna do this, and then we write a contract based upon whether or not it will do that. But there's no there's no asset there; it's a derivative of the underlying asset, which is the Dow stock. So, but with the card, or and or just like the timeshare in Colorado, you have like a physical asset you need to take care of. So I don't know. I'm just wondering all these questions and. I do agree with you. It's a bubble, but I'm hesitant to say that because I think everyone, everyone who tends to not understand what's going on, always used, likes to shout that out. Um, yeah. But man, I, I think there's a lot of questions, like you said, regulatory wise. I mean, yeah. who, who is it, the person, might... the governing body over this? Well, there's a the SEC regulates securities, but there you'd have to answer the question of whether or not it's a security. It very well could be. Uh, there's a very exacting definition of, of security. Like even uh, a lot of people don't know that a whiskey warehouse receipt is is technically a security. Like that's regulated by the the Securities and Exchange Commission. Why? Why is that? Because I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know the reason other than it's a it's a tangible asset that's that has a monetary value that is bought and sold for the purpose of investing. So that's kind of like a rough definition. I know some of the fact checkers out there might <laughs> might might call me on that. But uh, so a lot of people were saying in the beginning of Bitcoin that, that might be a security, other than a, rather than a currency. And if it, and that's that has important ramifications for like you, what you just said, Andy, regulation. So the gov- the federal government can obviously regulate securities all day long. But if it's not a security, then there's a little bit, or if it's like a similar to a security. Then you get into those loopholes where the less regulation, the more you have the uh, tendency for for bubbles to happen and right. people to, because we always think about people trying to 
you know, it's worth so much and people are making so much money, but there's always a flip side. There's yeah. people losing money too. Yeah. You know, so. And that's, that's a very real possibility. I mean, what happens if this guy flops after a couple of years and you, you spent a bunch of money investing in just a part of a card, something that I, yeah. you're not even going to physically have. And all of a sudden it's gone. It's, I don't even know if it's tied to his performance, like because I don't even know if sports cards in general they tend to be on the long term, yes. But like somebody wins a game, it's not like your his card went up in value well, that much. It, and it, it does sometimes with with this, like especially we saw it with recently. the rookie class, yeah, yeah recently. And that's why it's so why I say it's it's more volatile than stocks oh, yeah, right absolutely now. Absolutely more volatile because man, in the sports card chat that Andy and I are in. And we're, I'm very up on it and all that, but um, guys will go, oh man, Zion just scored uh, 20 points in the first half. You know, everybody's going to be buying his stuff up and then everybody rushes to eBay and starts buying this, even his like lesser, his cheaper cards. Mm-hmm. So there's a boom there in one game and it's just a nothing regular but season it game. It happened with Sekou Demboya for the Pistons when he Absolutely. he was yeah. in the G League or whatever and then he gets called up and he plays three games, has a decent performance and then all of a sudden the hype train starts rolling on him. That's right. crazy. That's, right. that's And they start going up. But then after those three games, he kind of fades away and he wasn't consistent. That's just like the securities market. It's like, oh, Pfizer has that new vaccine out. Let's go buy their stock. Right. It, it jumps up day thing. by day. Yeah. 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 So once again, we're here with Michael Westendorf. He is the editor, publisher, writer. You do everything over at the the Chemical City paper, Mike. And uh, the reason we're kind of talking to Mike is not only he's a friend of ours and he, he's he's a real life journalist, but he is he's he's a former financial advisor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have so. a Series 7. I shouldn't say that. I have passed. I'm only allowed to say I've passed the Series 7 exam. I'm not allowed to say it gives me um, expert knowledge on the stuff. Like, they are very big on the regulatory stuff. So. Right, right. But, but I, I, yeah, I passed the Series 7 exam, which is the exam to become a stockbroker. It's 360 questions, takes six hours. It's it's hell. It's straight hell. It, it's it's on par with being as difficult as like the bar. Or it's anything. close. Yeah, it's very close. To me, I couldn't pass the damn thing. So well, you're, it takes a you're lot of expert. weeks of studying, but you're but. an expert in my eyes, anyways. Well. So that's why we we kind of wanted to talk to you about this, and we thought it was a very interesting topic, not only sports related, but um, yeah, yeah, even financial I mean, related. In the, in but no, finance. I I think that's fascinating because yeah. people, even with especially derivatives in general. Uh, they find all these weird things to, and Vegas does it a lot too. Yeah, you can bet on anything in Vegas. Yes, and that's kind of like with the derivatives market. It's like, well, you know, I think this person's going to do this obscure thing. I'll put twenty on it, and yeah, somebody'll be like, "I'll, I'll take that action." You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like we're not even going to bet uh, the winner or loser right. of the game or the. We're going to exactly bet, is Patrick Mahomes going to roll his ankle in the third quarter, and like somebody will, yes. you know, will bet against you. They'll, they'll, yeah, like, they'll find the odds and they'll take it. Well, yeah, it's just nuts, especially in the Super Bowl. I, they'll they'll bet on uh, is the national anthem going to be good or not? Like it is is like things so tiny, so small as that. Is she going to hit all her notes during the national anthem? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I mean, anything to. For a reason to bet on something. Now, my other question is, what does this do for your casual collector, though? We, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It seems like you're going to be taking a card that's worth, like, let's say, a 1000 and now you're selling shares of it. 
doesn't that automatically increase the value of it because there's so much money being thrown at it? So here, the possibility of, of those type of cards? Mike might have an answer to that. My answer to this is the the group that you and I are in are involved in, Andy. Mm-hmm. It's a local group. It's a bunch of guys. And these guys have kicked around this idea before of what if we get a really high-end card? Uh, will you guys all invest in it? Well, sure, because we all know, I know, you know, you Mike, can, or I know Kenny, them. or whoever. I can trust them. I know that nothing's going to happen to it. I know where the card is. I can go to Saginaw at any point in time and see it, or whatever. But somebody that I don't know, Joe Blow off the street, some guy in Kansas City, Missouri, you know, yeah. I don't know who that person is. I didn't. I don't even know if they actually have the card. That's the thing. You and know? It's just like with these subprime mortgages that started the 08 right. financial crisis. Like who really owns these underlying mortgages, you know? And I mean, obviously, it's. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it 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 brings up those parallel questions. And, uh, well, yeah. I just i I personally feel like you're ruining the hobby, and, and I talk. So to you're like this. you have like a purist mindset. I, I guess in a sense, I just remember it from when I was a kid, mm-hmm. going to the card shops with my dad, and things were. They, they were affordable, you know what I mean? You can go buy a box and it wasn't going to break the bank. And now you go and things are already more more expensive, more you right. know, more pricey to the point where it's like, well, now if people are buying and selling shares and investing, you're turning it into more of a money thing than, yeah. than the actual hobby of just collecting cards and enjoying the sport. And, like with- and I think it's going to be a turnoff. To a lot of people that are, you know, like just your average people going in there and saying, hey, let's go get some packs to open. With, and it's not even kid. the amount of money that's really ruining things. It's it's the complexity now because what, with, what AJ says, like, I don't know this guy. Then you're bringing in the lawyers, you're bringing in the contracts, yep. and it's no longer just going yeah. to the corner store and picking up a pack yeah. of cards. Yeah, and, and being like, oh, we got this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, buddy, you want to go get some cards? All right, let me call the lawyers yeah. and check, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, like, I don't know, man. It just... Andy, you brought up a really good point before the show where I, you've got a you've got a six year old. Yeah. You know. Our producer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of the market is not good for someone like him and you to go you can't go to a hobby shop and buy a, a box of cards affordably and and enjoy that like like you used to and you know when we were growing up, we, you could go and buy a few packs, and oh, I got a Nolan Ryan. Are they that yeah. expensive out in the stores now too? Oh, or is they it... are. They are. Okay, and, and that's so it's where... not just on the third market. No, no, no the aftermarket. It's that's yeah, where... they're already expensive in the stores, oh, okay. and I think this just amps that up. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is so in a hobby shop, you could go to a, a hobby shop. We've got a, enough of them here in the area, and you might spend one hundred fifty bucks on a box. And that might sound crazy to you, Mike, because I, I, you're not in the sports card market or whatever. But well, I grew up with it. But you grew up with it, yeah, because yeah. your your stepfather yeah. was was very involved in it. He still, he he still has like, yeah. Now you guys got me thinking, like, oh, he should probably. He's He might you know? have some money. Yeah. Denny's a quadrillionaire right now. I mean, right? you got me. You got me thinking. <laughs> but you know what else you got me thinking about? Especially with this whole like, if they're expensive, I can see. I'm more okay with it if they're normal priced in the store and then on the third market they're high. But if they're high from the get-go, what – and now bear with me here. here okay. We're going to go on this like, train of thought. Let's, let's, let's What's follow What's stopping this. us, the three of us, 
from going to a printer and saying, yeah, we're just going to print 99 of these babies. We're going to slap <laughs> yeah. this guy's picture on it. And if it's, I understand like the third market puts value on it. It goes up, you put it on eBay, it's $32,000, whatever. But it shouldn't be that much in the stores. And if it is, what's stopping us from, yeah. What what is the value out of the store? You're absolutely right. Is it, may I, is it because they have the authentic signature i well, mean obviously it's that's authenticated a, i mean there yeah you go when, to you can go to the ballpark and get a signature and slap it on a well okay make, make 99 of them and so that's where we get into like officially licensed product and not officially licensed yeah. product and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. ball of wax but you're you're absolutely right people can people it's like have, where's the value coming from right you know people have quote unquote custom cards where i can make a, a custom card of michael jordan exactly and put it on ebay doesn't have the Bulls logo, doesn't have the NBA logo. I just drew a picture of Michael oh, Jordan okay. and said it's... So the value know, is in the license. It is. Because yeah. we couldn't do that in, in 1985. Right. You couldn't make your own card. But now no. you can... I'm a, I'm a newspaper publisher. Yeah. I could be a newspaper publisher oh, in 1985. Absolutely. I got Topps cards of Kenneth playing soccer. Right. That, yeah, I, I had right, them made but, from Topps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, you can get cards made, you know, whatever. Right. Exactly. But getting back to what I was getting at is... For a six-year-old, he doesn't care about the money aspect, right. and you're ruining the fun of collecting. I feel when you make it all about all about money in that instance, and baseball specifically, and but even sports in general, the youth is moving away from it. So yeah. you're already hurting as it is with today's youth trying to get them into things like this. Mm-hmm. You're not helping yourself it's like any the, it's by, more, by going this route. It's, it's one more turn one off. One more thing the adults have ruined. Exactly. You, <laughs> you are they, so you're, right. saying this, you're seeing the same thing with video games, too. Those used to be very youth-oriented. And, and now, now it's... Do you know the number one uh, demo for video games, like especially on, their, on your phone? No. Used to, be, used to be like adolescent males. It's middle-aged females now. It's well, yeah. Candy Crush. Are and, you kidding? My, my wife's on that shit all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you, you just when you what you said about, uh, you know, it's not really for the kids anymore. That remind that just reminded me, maybe think of you know one more thing. The adults are brewing. Yeah, we, we take something, we make it super complex, try to find some financial gain exactly. for it, yeah. and but like it's I've even seen that with sports in general with like, and I know this is kind of going going against what your show is all about, but like sports have, has gotten so complex. Since I grew up, and may- maybe it hasn't, but from my perspective, it's like I feel like I knew way more as a twelve-year-old about sports than I do now. I just—it's like I can't keep up with everything. Right. You were telling me about all these people that the Pistons drafted, and uh, I'm like, I yeah, I'm just—you lost. <laughs> yeah, me. once no you get idea. out of it, trying to get back in. That no, that might be it. But I just I feel like but then there's all these sabermetric stuff for baseball and it's like Yeah, exactly. Like, whoa, well, this yeah. got I need to get my PhD in mathematics before I <laughs> well, watch t- this game. We've talked about that before. I, you know, my my least favorite stat war. Yeah. I couldn't tell you <laughs> what, how what to is calculate it good for it. AJ? <laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, Mike. Uh. All right. <laughs> but getting back to cards for a second. So you go to a hobby store and on the low end, if you want to buy a hobby box of cards, it might be a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. That's really? for a very cheap that's for box cheap, of cards. And they're probably going to get nothing that's of any value in it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like, call Denny up. There might be a box of cards, like big league tops cards, mm-hmm. that you would buy for for, Kyneth. for Kyneth. And if he gets an autograph out of there, he's super lucky. But if Kyneth, get, if he gets an autograph out of that box, 
it's gonna make his freaking week. He would Absolutely. love that, and he's gonna even if it's like I don't know, the worst player. Yeah, the worst he, he's not gonna care. Or, he's just gonna like it because it's yeah. not a basic. It's not yeah. like a, a basic card. It's something different. Like right. he's got it. Like I was telling you, he's got a Tom Glavin. <laughs> yeah, basic. He's got a Tom Glavin that's got like a, a some sort of gold medallion, coin, medallion yeah, in the card. And he absolutely loves that card. He takes it with him everywhere. Yeah. He doesn't even know who the hell Tom Glavin yeah. is. He just likes it because it's got this medallion in it. He thinks it's the coolest yeah. thing because all it the other cards. Yeah. yeah. All That's the other cool. cards are just, they're basic, Mike. Yeah. And, it, but it, and it's not game used or anything. No. Tom Glavin had nothing it's to like do with that medallion. It's like a baseball card. <laughs> it is, <laughs> man. Like, it is. But it's, it's a manufactured card. It's mass produced. So there might be... 10,000 of that medallion oh, yeah. Tom Glavin card. Kyneth loves it. That's who it's made for. It's yeah. it's super cool to him. He loves it. Mm-hmm. And you and I get a kick out of seeing him, you know, when he enjoy finds, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? something he enjoys. Yeah. When, I, but, when, when I was a kid, I remember my first box of cards. It was hockey. It was 1990 Pro Set. And that was a whole oh, yeah. box. Now, now I was only used to dealing with packs back then. A yeah. box was like it took you like a half hour to open this thing. That was oh, a treat, yeah. though. Yeah, yes. right? and it was five dollars, and that. But it <laughs> oh. was, like a whole big box was five. And I kept hearing about you know my parents kept telling me about this card, the mask. So there's this card called the mask, and it was Patrick Waugh's goalie mask with a black background. You can look it up. You can Google it. And that card at the time was worth five bucks. It's like that's nice. the whole price of the box. Five bucks was, was pretty big. Yeah, back then. yeah. So I opened the entire box. I got a mask. Wow. One card and the entire box. That made your lifetime, yes. right? I still, yeah. oh, I you don't, still I don't remember still have it. it but, but you still remember that. Oh, yeah. I can see memory. the card right now. You yeah. can, can you pull up Google? Where's yeah. Jamie at? We're going to post that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, pull that up, Jamie. Yeah. Well, we should post that on our Instagram, actually. We find the mask. Yeah, and we'll you know what? It's probably one. worth like 99 cents now right. because they did make 10,000 of them. But man, that it was just like Kyneth and his medallion. It, like to me, that was that could have been $1,000. Yeah. And those I wouldn't have sold it. Right. <laughs> those are the childhood memories yeah. you're going to lose if you turn this into all about money. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and... They're going to find something else, and then we're going to ruin that. Exactly. <laughs> no action figure. I, right. I can't even think about what, what we could ruin. But. Well, and, and we've gotten into this. I'll get back to the investing part in a, in a second here. But So the cheaper option for buying any kind of sports cards, baseball, football, basketball, the thri- look, hockey is still somewhat affordable, and I don't know why I would – that's – because that's still a great sport. That's it's hockey. It's hockey, <laughs> and there's just it's more popular in Canada than it is here. But um, in on the retail market, you can go to Target or Walmart or Meyer, and ideally, you you'd be able to buy those same cards that you could buy at the hobby shop in smaller, like in blaster boxes or in just individual packs. And it'd be cheaper, and that's a cheaper option for families for yeah. people with kids to go and buy. You could buy a pack for ten bucks, or mm-hmm. or a, a box, a blaster box for twenty bucks. That's the big splurge, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the cheaper option, that the cheaper alternative to hobby, to a hobby shop. Yeah. Now you can't even do that because, like you said, Mike, adults have ruined that, and they go to the retail shops to to Target, Walmart, Meyer, 
And they and, clean them out. And they clean them out. They buy all those because even yeah. the, the grown men can't afford to go, or they could, but they prefer not to pay $200, $300 for a hobby box at a hobby shop. They'd rather clean out the retail shelf and, and buy all those retail packs. And they get they still get a shot at uh, like an autograph or a refractor or something something special a mm-hmm. rookie card or whatever. If we get back to the investment the thought of that, so like last year, I I bought a bunch of retail packs of NBA Prism and cheaper. They were we're talking two dollars and fifty cents a pack, and you got like five cards a pack. Like that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like fifty cents a card. Right. I pulled a LeBron James card numbered out of thirty-five. And at the time, I thought, "Oh, that's pretty cool." That's I had the kindness effect to me. I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's yeah. pretty sweet." I got like cool. That's a good player. Whatever. I showed it to the card chat, and they're like, "You got like a five hundred dollar card there because it's LeBron James, and it's out of only thirty-five. Now it's worth like four thousand dollars. <laughs> Where is it's it? Ridiculous! Yeah, right? yeah. it's in a safe. <laughs> you, you still have it though? Uh, yeah, I still have it. Oh, good. I I have the option of selling it for I was, about seven hundred dollars. I was hoping you didn't say like, yeah. Then when I put got it out of the bike spokes, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw it around. I I used it as a coaster, coaster yeah, as a coaster yeah. for my drink here. Bookmark. You know. Mark. <laughs> I'm but, I'm happy to hear that you still have it. That's right, awesome. and but it's because he it was his first year in a Lakers jersey. So silly, like it was his first year. Now we're getting into it's the the guy's first year in a certain jersey. Not even his rookie card, but it's a premier player first year in his Lakers jersey. I didn't even think that was a thing, but apparently yeah. it is. So what's your number? It is now with that card. What's my number? Like, yeah, what's your magic what, number? What I see now, it's gotten to a point, and this is where I'm bad because I'm not a flipper or not a yeah. investor. I'm a collector. You right. know me. I'm. I got all kinds of crap. Well, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I got all kinds of shit around here that's I know it's like be high. signed and stuff. So I don't know. If somebody offered me like five grand for it right now, and nobody's gonna offer me five grand. Oh, I thought it was gonna be much higher. You know, hmm. but right in probably in ten or fifteen years when he's retired, it might be. Or if they make a documentary about him in mm-hmm. twenty or twenty five years, it'll be worth like thirty or thirty five thousand yeah. dollars. Maybe I don't know. Well, he it's might... like Bitcoin. When do you get in? When do you? Right, exactly. When do you get out? When do you get in? Right. right. But I enjoy it right now for the time being, and. But right now, my my price is like five thousand dollars. If somebody offered me that, cool. No one's gonna offer me that right now. I made it. And it's because I'm such a I'm such a collector and a saver. I'm the mm-hmm. wor- world's worst investor in sports cards, and that's why this this whole thing, this collectible app, sounds like so foreign to me. Because I can't imagine even throwing down a hundred bucks for a, an intangible thing that I'm never going to see or touch. Yeah, it just and in my mind may not even be real, right? Right. Yeah. I made this post <laughs> last night actually on Facebook. I was this guy who put this tweet out. This in 2011. He goes, "Well, Bitcoin has stabilized at almost exactly fourteen dollars a coin. I'm tired of waiting for a jump, so I'm taking the loss and getting my cash back." I saw that. Holy Man. cow! <laughs> and now, how much is Bitcoin worth? Uh, 
over eighteen thousand dollars. He'd probably jumped coin. off a bridge somewhere. <laughs> he's he's no longer with us. Well, there's the Bitcoin pizza. The guy bought uh, a pe- two pizzas for like ten thousand Bitcoin back in twenty ten or something, and now today that would be worth around. I, I don't know exactly, so so fact checkers don't don't go crazy. We don't got a lot of fact checkers. Uh, I, don't think. I know that's a. a <laughs> People, no one holds us accountable, there. right? <laughs> uh, it's about over like over $100 million for these two pieces. Oh, my God. Wow. Ba- wow. Basically, just life change. That's that's beyond life changing. That's that's like generational money. <sighs> See, and... That's now, like your great-great-grandkids are going to be set. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they won't have to work a day in their lives. Now, Mike, I've had to try it. I, I've tried to pull teeth to have you talk. And you're usually pretty good about like explaining stuff to me. <laughs> But try to get you to explain Bitcoin oh, to me. That's, that's a whole other show. I don't even. Uh, I it's <laughs> beyond me. But sports cards, I could, yeah. I could have a whole podcast series on sports cards and investment and collectibles and blah blah blah, all that stuff. But Bitcoin to me is is beyond me. So I would, I, I just have no concept. To me, if I even sold it at fourteen bucks a share, I'd be like, ah, eh, whatever. Right. But if I sold, if I sold a, a LeBron or Luka Doncic card at like two hundred and fifty bucks, and then the following year it's worth five thousand dollars, I'm jumping off the bridge. Well, imagine that just times about a hundred or thousand. Even exactly. worse, right? Right? Yeah. I yeah. How do I live with myself? You know. So, <laughs> anyways, you just never sell. Just <laughs> hodl for life. <laughs> Mike, is there anything else you'd like to add about this this whole strange collectible app or anything? Just waiting for the next thing we're about to ruin. Don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> we, uh, what have we? T- we've already done it with video games and music and sports and. Uh, what else uh, are we going to mess up? There's right? not much left. Movies, really. action figures, anything you name, anything kids are into. I don't we'll, know. Just, we'll destroy it. We're yeah. going to take it and capitalize on but it. But I'm right? kind of I'm I'm a little bit torn though because it's like eh, now I'm on this side though. It's like. Uh, now I stand side, the benefit. So yeah. so yeah, fucking kids got here. <laughs> Give me that LeBron, you know. Mike, uh thank you so much for joining us here on the Small Market Podcast. We'll always appreciate you, thank you. being on the show. You're welcome. Uh, again, I'd like to thank Heather and Holly for for their sponsorship and their help with us. Uh they are at 228 East Main Street in downtown Midland. Go see them for all your Christmas shopping needs. They're they're a very cool candy and gift shop in downtown Midland. They've got the best stuff ever. So shop local. Uh, we are your hosts, Watucky and Hoffman. Thanks again, Mike. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Small Market Podcast. <laughs> Want to try that one again? <laughs> I'll leave that in there. Listen local. Listen local. Buy local. Listen local. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the Small Market Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. Sportsball. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, and YouTube. Or for more behind the scenes content, check out our blog, smallmarketpodcast.blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast was provided by the Eight Arm Killer and Kira.